up for Randy. All right, here we go, here we go. Turn to your neighbor and say, boy, am I glad you're here to hear this. We'll see how true that is after I'm done. All right, make it plain. Here we go. Um, there's a graphic that's going to be up on the screen, I think, if it, uh, if it made it through. The name of the title of, of today's message is It's Your Move. And as you can tell, uh, there's two people at a chessboard. Um, Isaiah 6, verse 8 says, And I said, Here am I, send me. It's your move. It's your move. And at times when God calls men, they have a tendency to look at themselves and say, I'm not qualified. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't finish my degree. I've never done that before. I can't do it alone. I can't speak well. And we're going to talk about some of those men here in just a moment. The world says, to he who hesitates, all is lost. John Maxwell has said, some people spend their whole lives getting ready to get ready. I'm going to use this... uh, as an example, sometimes God has us read books, and sometimes we think we need that one more book, that one more conference, that one more seminar, that one more event. And sometimes God wants to use a book in our lives to do this. Now, that might not seem very funny to you, but sometimes God wants us to get moving, and I've had it in my life where God has moved me from where I was slow to move with someone coming into my life and saying, hey, Randy, what are you doing? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) And at times, God has spoken to me directly. At times, God has told me to do something, but I've rationalized, I've reasoned my way out of it. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That means in our flesh, when we reason through things, when we think it through things, we have a tendency to not do what God is asking us to do because it seems too hard, too difficult, and we get caught in the timing of it. Jesus talked about the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. And I'm going to read some abbreviated scriptures here for the sake of time. Jesus said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five Another two, each according to their ability. You see, we're all gifted different. Someone said one time, God's not going to ask you to be accountable for what Billy Graham was called to do. God's not going to call you to be accountable for what he asked the Apostle Paul to do. God's not going to hold you accountable for your neighbor. He's going to ask, what did you do with the giftings and talents that I gave you? How did you apply them? How did you walk that out? And it goes on to talk about, in the end, the one man had one talent. The five-talent person gained another five. The two-person talent gained another two. And here's what the one did. Then the man who had received just one talent came, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you don't have not sown and where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have at least put my money in deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. And that talent was taken from him and given to one of the others. Revelation 21.8, 
<clears throat> talks about a variety of sins of those who God is cast out and have not entered into heaven. And it very, very much struck me as to one of the people that didn't make it in. And that, that word, that C word, the cowardly. I thought, cowardly? How can that be there? What about the sexually immoral? That's there. What about the ungodly? That's there. As an adjective, it means lacking courage. Do you want to hear the remaining one? Lacking courage. The fear of doing something or enduring pain. Being afraid of doing hard things. I mentioned it two weeks ago as I challenged my boys and myself. Real men do hard things. So as a man, God is asking us to step up in a variety of areas So in other words, there's no such thing as a fear pass. Well, God, I was afraid, and here's my pass. And the Bible says, do not fear. The Bible says many times, and the disciples were afraid. And even Paul told Timothy, Timothy was a little timid at times in his personality or his makeup or whatever. But Paul said, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, a sound mind, and love. That's what God's given us. So then we need to take that thought, that fear, and put it under our feet where it belongs. And at times we need someone to come along our side to do it. At times my wife has encouraged me. At times I've had mentors in my heart, in my life. And at times God himself has challenged me. I woke up a month ago in the morning, and God said, gird up the loins of your mind. I'm like, what is that? So I looked it up, and I found out what Rick Renner had to say. <laughs> and Rick Renner was talking about girding up the loins of your mind is, is that they used to wear that long robe, and they would take that robe and kind of pull it up, and then they'd retighten their belt so they could run, unhindered, unfettered. Because there are things in our lives that will hinder us and cause us to stumble. Can I say this? It's no longer business as usual, October 5, 2021. The time is short. So I might make an emotional appeal to stir you up for godly zeal. Because there's men and women and children that are counting on us to do just that. Francis Chan wrote the book create, um, uh, Crazy Love. He also wrote Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit and other books. He's had a large church in California. He left all of that to go to Hong Kong. He had three home churches, three house churches started up. And they asked him to leave. And just before he had to leave Hong Kong, the leaders of the home churches came to him and they were, they were saying, you can't leave, we can't, you can't leave, we can't do this without you. And you know what Francis Chan said? What do you lack? What do you need? More knowledge or more faith? So what do I need to do to follow God's call in my life? More knowledge or more faith? So I can spend more time getting ready, getting ready. 
And there's also a time to take action. There's also a time to move forward. There's different callings of God. God called Saul, King Saul. Interesting note on King Saul is that he looked to himself too much. He looked to other people too much and cared more about their opinion than what God was saying to him. 1 Samuel 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? And it goes a little bit farther, verse 20 to 27. In Samuel, it talks about Samuel saying to Saul, Has not God done this for you? Has not God chosen you? Has not God anointed you? Verse 23, then they ran and brought him out. They said, where's Saul? They ran and brought him out. He was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel explained to the people the regulations of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people each to his own home. Saul also went to his own home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God has touched. So God surrounded Saul with valiant men whom God had touched their hearts to serve along with him, a team, if you will. But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But, Paul, or, but Saul kept silent. On that note, when you are chosen, when you are called, some of your friends, some of your family, Jesus said a prophet himself is not received in his own hometown. In other words, you're not a big deal. I know who you are. <laughs> I grew up with you. Who do you think you are? And those men or friends have a tendency to pull us back down to their level. Not because we're special, because we have a a calling to do something, but because they don't want to step out themselves. So if you step out, it's going to make them look bad. Okay? So the reality is, Joyce Myers, I was just listening to her the other day, among a variety of other people, and she said when God called her to the teaching ministry, she got all kinds of flack. Some of her friends said, what are you doing, Joyce? How come you don't spend time with us anymore? Some people that she looked up to were saying, Joyce, what are you doing? You're a woman. You have no official training. I'm glad Joyce didn't listen to them. I'm glad she didn't. Moses, I'm too old. (laughs) Moses was 40 years old, had the call of God in his life, took matters into his own hands, killed the Egyptian taskmaster who was uh, mistreating one of the Egyptian, uh, 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 Egyptians, fellow Egyptians. Then he had to run away 40 years then God called him when he was 80. <laughs> Anybody here over 80? <laughs> Abraham. God called Abraham, 75 years old. That's when he left Ur the Chaldees to follow what God told him. I'll make you a father of many nations. 75. Boy, we're looking to call it quits at years ago, it was 57 and a half. 
then it was 60, then it's 62, then it's 65, then it's now it's 67, I think, for a guy like me, if you want to officially qualify for benefits, right? Jonah. You guys remember the story of Jonah? God, God, the word of God came to Jonah. What did he do? Yes, Lord, here I am. Send me, as Isaiah said. <laughs> he said, nah, I'm, I'm not doing this. So in Jonah's disobedience, he went down to Joppa, down to the bottom of the ship, and eventually down into the bottom of the sea. See, Jonah was on a downward spiral because of his disobedience. And yet God didn't reject Jonah. God was faithful to remind Jonah, this is who you are. This is what I've called you to do. And Jonah eventually got the job done. What about Nehemiah? Heard the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. He, he, he was broken down. He cried. He wept. But then he prayed. And after he prayed, he went before the king. And he petitioned the king. And the king said, well, what do you want? What do you need? Nehemiah had a plan. So he told the king, I want this much stuff to take with me. I want these letters of recommendation for passage. And it's going to take me about this long. And the king said, go. Go build up the walls of your homeland. So Nehemiah, it took courage to do that. He was the cupbearer. But at that day and age, if you were sad in the king's presence, the king called him on it. He says, why are you sad? And Nehemiah instantly was like, I was very much afraid. Because in that day and age, you could lose your head for coming into the king's presence being sad. I think about Elisha. Elisha was very decisive. God called me to an Elisha moment years ago. He called me to step down from something that was fruitful, that was, I was experiencing joy from, strength from, fulfillment from. I was made to do this, and he asked me to lay it down. And I wasn't real happy to do that, but then God reminded me in Scripture, I was reading the call of Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shephat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. He was wealthy. He was well-to-do as a farmer. He was successful. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Or... Recognize the calling that I am giving you from God. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and gave it to the people, and they ate. He set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant or assistant or apprentice. You've heard the, the phrase, burn the ships. There's a song on the radio, burn the ships, years ago. The captains would burn the ships as a point of no return. In other words, there's no looking back. You're here. You can't go back. You're here. You need to make the most of it. You need to man up and make this happen. That's what Elisha did. He burned the yoke, and he slaughtered his oxen. So that was a point of no return for Elisha. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. 
And it's an agricultural analogy for if you look at the circumstances around you, you won't get it done. How does that relate to today? I'm glad you asked, Ron. I'm going to tell you. We don't have the ability to sow. Look at the political climate. We could get in trouble for being a Christian. We could get rejected, belittled, berated, kicked out, lose your job. I, don't, I can't reap in this kind of a uh, culture with corona, with the intensity of, of, of the <clears throat> pushback. I can't, I can't go places. I can't do things. So because of the political and cultural and or medical environment, we choose not to do things. So instead of being political or cultural, what about being radical? <laughs> what about doing it anyways? What about starting that ministry that God's had on your heart? What about stepping out? <clears throat> God's been having me step out in some areas. And you say, oh, you're just, you're just yelling at us. You're just making us feel bad. You're just, you haven't done anything to step out. Well, I'm glad you said that. Because I have. I've, I've actually helped start a church. I've actually helped close a church. You talk about guts. You talk about intestinal fortitude. You talk about, right, God? Is this what you want? Is this what you're saying? I never thought of myself as doing those kinds of things. And yet that's what God has had me for assignments and seasons. You see, gentlemen, it's not always years ago you were born and raised and buried in the same church. <laughs> you were the frozen, chosen, upright, and uptight, potentially. But the reality is God has pushed me out of my comfort zone. Joyce Myers also talked about that. God is continually bringing us out of the comfort zone into the combat zone, out of the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, into the fight. But you don't have to go. You can live vicariously through Pastor Dwayne. You can read books about the great exploits of the past missionaries. You can read about how simple men, in a simple way, showing simple love, created a large impact. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Are you qualified? Let me share this with you. There's a verse that says, He qualifies you to share in the eternal hope and inheritance. God qualifies you. So you can't listen to people in your family that say, Well, who do you think you are? Joseph. <laughs> wow. His brothers dissed him, threw him in a pit, and you know the rest of the story. David. Are you kidding? Jesse had, had what, was it, was it eight sons? Seven sons, eight sons? And... Uh, so Samuel looks at him all, and then uh, he says, hey, you, you got any more? Well, <laughs> there's one out watching the sheep, but that's Dave. Well, go get Dave. So what did he do? He got Dave. And David came up, and God said, don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. God's looking at our hearts today. Jeremiah said, God, ah, but I'm but a child. Isaiah said, whoa, to me, Lord, I have unclean lips. So the angel took care of that. He went over, picked up a coal. <laughs> there, now you got clean lips. And then he said after that, oh, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> so God took care of that excuse or that reason why Isaiah couldn't follow God. 
Oh, yeah, everybody knows about Gideon, right? Gideon was, I'm the least of my family, the least of my clan. Who am I? But he looked at himself in his human filter. God looks at us in our spirit, in the spirit filter and says, you are a mighty warrior. David wrote beautiful psalms, but he also killed thousands of people. He was a warrior poet. Can you be both? Can you be tough at times? Can you be tender at times? Yeah. Jesus was tough and tender at times. And the wisdom is to know when to be tough and when to be tender. Moses, <laughs> slow mo. <laughs> God, I can't speak very well. I can't do this. So he said, here am I, Lord, send Aaron. And God said, you know what? That's a great idea. You guys both are going. You and Aaron are both going to Pharaoh. Good job, Moses. Thank you for that idea. Confirmed, you're both going. <laughs> Simon Peter, what did, he, what did, what did he, Jesus said, come follow me? What did he do? He dropped to his knees and said, Lord, away from me. I am a sinful man. Peter was looking at his behavior. He was looking at himself. And God was looking at his spirit saying, rise up. Get over yourself. I have things for you to do. I've chosen you. Let me ask you this. Why do we doubt if God chose us, does he, is he all wise, all knowing? Then we're saying, God, you made a mistake in choosing me. Ultimately, and I've done that. I've done that. I've also repented of that. <laughs> well, I don't have what it takes. I know. God's the one who qualifies us. God's the one who, does, who works in and through us. Paul even said that in 1 Corinthians 15. Everybody looks up to Paul and says, wow, Paul, what a, what a guy, you know, what an amazing person. Paul acknowledged it was the Spirit of God in him. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What irony. He's persecuting the church of God, and God chooses him to go increase the church of God. What? God's a redeemer. But by the grace of God, here's verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So it's the grace of God. It's the anointing. It's the calling. It's not so much of what we think we are or who we should be. I had someone tell me one time, Randy, I went to Bible school, and you know more of the Bible than I do. Well, I've always had a love for the Word. I didn't take that as like, oh, yeah, that's right, I do. It's because I had my nose in the book. Someone said, don't, don't say that God is not speaking to you if your Bible is not open. I have done things because I had my nose in the scriptures in the morning. I did things in the afternoon I would never have done because God was confirming it in the morning. It is not uncommon for people to experience fear with respect to the calling that they have been given or sense an unworthiness for that calling. However, such feelings become sin when they keep us from serving as the Lord has appointed us to serve. If God has called us, he will equip us for our calling. 
Let me ask you a question. Why not you? Why not now? There's a story in the Bible of Jonathan, and he said to his sword bearer, hey, let's go charge up this hill and see if we can start a route. Maybe everybody will follow us, maybe not. So Jonathan and his sword bearer, two guys, go up and charge the enemy, and the rest of them are like, hey, Jonathan, hey, woohoo!" So they follow Jonathan. If Jonathan had not taken the risk, the men of Israel would not have taken, uh, taken the victory that day. 2 Corinthians 5. Paul, again, is talking about how we are ambassadors of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors through God as though he was making an appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in my time of favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is Paul talking thousands of years ago to the Corinthians. You're God's ambassadors. Yeah, but doesn't that what pay the pastor for? No. <laughs> That's what he's called us to do. And let me say this. Your calling, your impact is different than somebody else's. Don't compare yourself. See, the Bible says comparison is not wise. Randy has an awesome youth ministry. I'm not Randy. I'm Randy. I'm Randy. <laughs> but having said that, the comparison is, well, I didn't start this, and I don't know this, and I didn't write this, and I, didn't, I wasn't able to do this. It's comparison. Don't do that. God has something specific for you in mind. You guys ever hear of Theodore Roosevelt? I love this. Ready for some man talk? Here we go. The man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again. But because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does the actual striving to do the deeds? He knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows the end, in the end triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I was going to use a trumpet as a prop, but the mic will serve as a prop. The time is coming, and it's very, very soon, Jen. We're on the doorstep. What is that? The trump of God shall sound, and everything's going to get wrapped up. Someone said one time, Oh, I disagree. I don't think, you know, I'm amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial. Oh, I don't believe in the rapture. Someone said one time, the bottom line for you and I is to be ready 
being found doing the master's work when he returns. That sounds pretty eloquent and pretty religious, right? Do what God is saying. Regardless of what your dad or your brother or your friends say, do what God says, regardless of what someone is whispering. Yeah, but last time it didn't last. It didn't work out. Good gravy. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp dispute, and I think it's in Acts 16, where John Mark, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along. Paul said, absolutely not. He left us last time, remember? He quit. He left us in Pamphylia. And they, they parted ways. Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took Silas. And later on, Paul said, have John Mark bring my cloak, for he has been useful to me. So if you've blown it, if you've missed it, get back up. A righteous man falls seven times, but he rises each time. The time is short, gentlemen. The time is short. So if God is speaking to you, continue to listen, continue to take action. Say, God, what's the next step? We have a, a marquee out in the concourse, next steps. What is your next step? I don't know what your next step is, but I'm beginning to see clearly what my next step is. My next step is to step out. Step out. Step up. Keep in stride with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with him. It's 7.30 on the dot, on the nose. So gentlemen, in sum, whatever God is saying, we can either say, here am I, send me. It might just be your move. Or we can wait for that next motivational speaker, the next book, the next conference, the next class, or like Francis Chan said, what do you need? More knowledge or more faith? It's your move. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to hear as a reminder the men of the Bible, they all had issues, they all struggled, they were not perfect. Jesus, you were the only perfect man on the face of the earth, and you were crucified. And you said, look, if they mistreated me, they're going to mistreat you too. Don't be surprised. So, Father, I pray for boldness. Even the Apostle Paul said, pray for me that I might preach the gospel boldly as I should. So, Father, I pray that you help us get over ourselves and on with you, that we would not look inward but upward. That, Father, in Jesus' name, today is the day where we make that decision to say, Lord, here am I, send me. And whatever that looks like, God, you know the callings and the giftings and the talents. But, Father, even though things have come to an end in the past or didn't turn out like we thought, that's your business. Our job is to obey, and we trust the results with you. So, Father, I pray for a fresh start with every man here whether he needs just to keep going in what he's doing, whether he needs to stop doing something, whether he needs to start doing what you called him to do. It doesn't matter, Father, where we are at. It matters what we are doing. I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us to greater things 
You love us. You are for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to the men, even though they missed it for a season, like Jonah, even though things didn't turn out well as, they, as we thought they would at times. Father, we take your word and we remind ourselves that if you are for us, then who can be against us? And I thank you for it in the mighty, strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.